Genesis. You say, what are we going to do in Genesis? Well, I love the book of Genesis. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. And I've had the opportunity or privilege, whatever you want to call it, to teach the book of Genesis in our Bible Institute several times. But in the book of Genesis, in chapter 1, there's uh, the creation. And the Bible tells you how things get started. Notice this in Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. People say, how do we get here? That's how we got here right there. I realize there's people that say we came from tadpoles and anebas and tadpoles and monkeys and big bangs and all that kind of stuff. And they can say what they want to, but there was only one eyewitness, and that was God. And thank God he wrote a book about it and gave an account. He told us how it happened. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. People say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you don't have to believe it. That's what the Bible says. And I'm a Bible believer, so I believe that's how it got here. I don't have enough faith to believe in evolution. It takes way too much faith for that. It's a lot easier to say, you know, the Lord did it. The Lord did what he said he did, and I believe in it. All right, and then verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. When God created the earth, he created it in six literal days. And the Bible talks about the evening and the morning were the first day. A day is a 24-hour period. And different days... He created different things. Like the fourth day, he created the sun and the moon and the stars. The sixth day, he created mankind. All through there, you'll see the different things that he did. What did he do on the seventh day? He rested on the seventh day. But in verse 2, at the beginning, it says, When he created the heaven and the earth, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And this is what the question I was asked about, was to talk about this face of the deep. And tonight we're going to get into a deep subject. <laughs> a pun is intended there, but anyway, it really is a deep subject, the face of the deep. People say, what is that? And honestly, there's not a whole lot about it in the Bible. There is some about it. And that deep is something amazing. And go on down, if you will, and look in verse number... Uh, six, and notice what it says, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Apparently there's all this water out there, and God said, now let's make a firmament. The firmament's kind of like a meted out place, it's a firm, you see, so it's got substance to it, and it's going to divide the waters, it's going to go in the middle of it. And verse 7, and God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And so here's the Lord, and he's made this place in between the waters. Before there's all this water, now he's separated the water. And the deep is actually a con the container that holds the whole universe, that houses the universe. And inside the universe is heavens, the, all the heavens. Inside the universe is the, the sun, the moon, the stars, the solar system. Inside the universe is our earth and where we live and all those kind of things. But anyway, God used these waters and, and there's big waters out there. When I'm talking about big waters, I'm not talking about waters on earth. 
We understand the earth's made up of, what, three-fourths water or something like that? Well, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something that's out beyond the earth, beyond our reach. And I can prove that. I can't tell you a whole lot about this. I can just show you what I read about it, what the Bible says about it. Some of it you'll have to make up your own conclusions. But like I said, it's a deep subject. So <laughs> a lot, of, lot to it. But that's okay. But we do know that it's that way. Now notice, take your Bible and go to Genesis chapter 7. We're just going to turn run a bunch of references tonight. Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7. And in Genesis 7... This is the story of the flood and Noah. As a matter of fact, it, Noah's story really begins in chapter 6. He's first mentioned in chapter 5. But the story of why God did what he did with the flood is in chapter 6. and chapter 7, everything gets going. In verse 1, it says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. And he went in the ark, and he got the animals, and they went in the ark. And the Bible says that God closed the door. And after he did that, notice what it says in verse 10. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the 600 year of Noah's life. Man, that guy was 600 years old when this happened. In the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep. There it is again. Broken up. And the windows of heaven were open. Whatever this deep is, God let it, allowed the deep to open up. The windows opened up in heaven and it came down to earth. And it flooded the earth. And as the Bible says, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights all over the earth. This wasn't a local flood. It was a universal flood. The entire earth got covered. The Bible says it was higher than the greatest peak on the tallest mountain. That's Mount Everest. Mount Everest is something like 23,000 feet in the air. And the Bible tells us that it went higher than that. There's been climbers that got up to the peak of Mount Everest, and up at the peak they found fish fossils. People say, how'd that happen? See, science, they can't explain all this stuff away. You say, well, something had to carry it up there. I don't know what carried it up there. It was a fish that carried it, water that carried it up there. The water's got that high. And now they're finding fossils that date back to this time period. Imagine that. We already knew that they were there because the Bible says so. We understand that stuff. I like it, though. Science tries to disprove the Bible. And the, everything that they start digging up and they start finding stuff, all it does is prove the Bible. It backs it up. They try to get rid of it and they try to remove it. And they can't get rid of it and they can't remove it because everything in there is true. And God plays a joke on these scientists. <laughs> The average scientist is an atheist that doesn't believe in God. And, of course, they want to push that propaganda on your kids and everybody else. But uh, not all of them. There are some Christian scientists, and thank God for them and, uh, and all. But uh, like the, I like that guy that's got the ark up there in uh, Kentucky. That's a neat thing. We need to take a trip. Well, I've been there. Brother Robbie's been there. We went, didn't we? And the Creation Museum and all that. It's really interesting. So how many of y'all been to the ark? Raise your hand. One, two... That's it? Wow. That's cool. All right. I was reading where, what's that, uh, what's that heavy metal singer that used to, supposed to bite the heads off the bats? Ozzy Osbourne, yeah. Yeah, that's before his time. Yeah. <laughs> I read where he went there the other day. I don't even know if he could read a sign or not. <laughs> 
<laughs> Somebody had to read it for him, and that guy's messed up now. <laughs> I think he did more than biting heads off bats, don't you? <laughs> yeah, amen. All right. Well, here we see them here. The, the great deep, the waters were open during that time. I said, I've got all, I'm chasing rabbits. Go to Psalm 148. Go to the next place. Okay, Psalm 148, middle of our Bible. <laughs> Psalm 148, there I am, all right, now this is pretty interesting right here, Psalm 148 verse 1, Psalms has so much in it, people think of Psalms, they think, well, they're just some good little poems, and man, there's so much doctrine in Psalms, it's amazing, and we started in the book of Psalms, I don't know if you remember that, some of you, all of you didn't go here at the time, but uh, we still in the old building, it's just three or four years ago maybe. And I got through like the sixth psalm after about six months. I said, I've got it. We've got to do something else. <laughs> That's too much. But Psalm 148, they're loaded. Psalm 148, verse 1. It says, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Notice the S on there. There's more than one heaven. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Hold your place. We're coming right back to Psalm 148. Run over to 2 Corinthians 12. Everybody ought to know this. We all need to know this. Make sure everybody's got it down. And the Bible tells us how many heavens there are. People say, well, I thought there was just one heaven. Well, there's only one heaven like the one you're thinking of. But there's more than one heaven. And I'll explain those to you in just a minute. Psalm 148 will help explain them. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You there say amen. All right, verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. This is Paul, and we believe he's speaking about himself. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth such an one called up to the third heaven. You say, what's that telling us? What that tells you is there's three heavens. Very clearly the Bible says so. Now we'll go back to Psalm 148. He says he's called up to the third heaven. That third heaven is the abode of God. That's where he's at. Now, you've got Muhammad. Muhammad lived in about 600 A.D. He was uh, illiterate. He couldn't read or write. He was epileptic. He had four, uh, 12 wives uh, uh, one time, and he was 54. He married the uh, last one who was nine years old. That tells you a little bit about his character there. She'd come before his throne and play with her little baby dolls and stuff, and uh, he made her marry him. She's a slave, but... That just blows my mind. People follow that guy, you know. And anyway, you know, Muhammad, his last words were kill Christians and Jews. That's a really upstanding man, you know. Well, you know what Muhammad said? He said that um, he got called up to the seventh heaven. And he got this revelation and all this stuff. And he dictated the Quran and they wrote it down after that. And he said a horse named Barak carried it up there. Number one, I'm not getting on a horse. Number two, I sure ain't getting on one named Barack. Somebody say amen. <laughs> and the horse named Barack carried him up to the seventh heaven. Well, I got bad news for Muhammad. He's a liar. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says there's only three heavens. You say, well, you shouldn't talk about other people's religions like that. You know what he did? He said that the Bible's wrong. I'm saying he's wrong. Do you believe the Bible's wrong or him? I think it's him. <laughs> I'm with the Bible. 
I guarantee you, I've read the Quran. I've got a copy of it in my office all marked up. And uh, I know what it says. You know what it said? It said God didn't have a son. My Bible says he did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Was Jesus not the son of God? Of course he was. The Quran says he wasn't. The Quran said if you think there's a trinity, you're a polytheistic pig. You believe more than one God. I believe in the trinity. But I don't believe that that's more than one God. I just believe it's three parts to God. There's all kinds of things in there. But anyway, the Bible says if your face, or the Quran, sorry, sorry, Lord. The Quran says if your face is black, you're going to hell. My Bible doesn't say that. My Bible says if you're not saved, you're going to hell. God doesn't care what color you are. See how crazy that stuff is? And there's people believing that. All right. Um. Psalm 148, Psalm 148, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Now watch this. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. There's no doubt that's talking about the third heaven. That's where the angels are. That's where the host of heaven is. Verse 3. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. That's not the third heaven. The sun and moon's in the second heaven. That's the solar system. Verse 4, praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Now, the heaven of heavens of heavens is on up there. But when it says the waters that be above the heavens, plural, the first heaven is going to be where the, the sky, that's where the birds fly, that's where airplanes are. The second heaven is the sun, moon, and stars, outer space. The third heaven is up there where God is. And the Bible says that these waters are above the heavens. The Bible's clear there's water above the heavens. But when it says above the heavens, that means it has to be at least two of them because it's plural. And that's where they are. The waters are above the first heaven. They're above the second heaven. And they separate the second heaven from the third heaven. Somewhere up in there. And so these scientists get up there. And that Russian scientist in 1959 who was the first one up there. Um, they got up there and they go up there like they're going towards where God is, I think. And they think they are. That's why they, that's why the little vehicle they're in, that's why they call it that. What's that called? No, what's it called? What's a generic term for them? All of them. A what? Spaceship. Ship. Like there's water up there or something. Isn't that weird? And who would have thought that? Well, the Bible says there is. You don't, a ship's what you put in water. And then they go up there, and you got them up there, and the guy from Russia, he radios back down here, and he says, no sign of God up here. Well, no kidding, you're not high enough. God's above that. You're just in the second heaven. God's in the third heaven. And besides that, there's a great big body of water separating the two. You say, that's crazy. You say that. It says so right here. The water's above the heavens. I don't know how much plainer he could have made it. It's pretty plain. Now, we was talking the other day, and this crazy stuff, it's wild right here. Go to Job chapter 26. Job 26. I'll give you a little bit more here. Job 26. Just before Psalms is the book of Job. Job 26. <clears throat> All right, Job 26, and Job 26, verse 7. Job is probably the oldest book of the Bible, probably written before all the others. 
I understand and I agree the things in Genesis happened first. But nobody that lived in Genesis time wrote Genesis. Moses wrote the book of Genesis. Moses didn't live until the time of Exodus. Moses lived thousands of years, at least uh, more than, uh, what, 3,000 maybe after Adam and Eve, somewhere down the line. I mean, that's a long time later. And so there's old Moses there, and he wrote that. But Job, most people think he lived during the time of after between Abraham and Joseph somewhere. And that's probably right. He's a patriarch. And you got Job right there. Not Abraham, but he lived after him, but before somewhere in that time. And one reason, Job's not under the law. You get reading there and you don't read about the law in there. And so he's obviously under grace and he'd have to be that time. And another thing in Genesis 36, it mentions his name. All right, and the place he's from is and all. But look in Job 26. Job 26 and Job 26, verse number 7. He stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. That's pretty interesting. A guy that wrote something 18, 15, between 1500 and 1800 B.C. said, you know, this earth is not hanging on anything. It's just suspended out there. How in the world could anybody know that? I know how they could know it because the one that wrote this is the one that created it all. Verse 8. He bindeth up the waters, the waters, it says, in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not rent under them. He holdeth back the face of his throne and spreadeth his cloud upon it. Man, the face of his throne is way up there in the third heaven. He hath compassed the waters with bounds until the day and night come to an end. Those waters there don't have anything to do with earth because down on earth the day and night do come to an end. When the day comes to an end, it's night. When night comes to an end, it's a day. And it's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. What he's talking about is somewhere a long way off. Did you know the Bible says up there in heaven there's no day or night? That's what it says in Revelation 21. You say, why not? There's no need for it. The Lamb of God is there. There's no sun there either. Because the Lamb of God's the sun up there. He's the one that does all that, takes care of that. So that's pretty amazing. Verse uh, 11, the pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. He divideth the sea. Notice this deep is what this is talking about. It's also called the sea with his power. And by his understanding, he smiteth through the proud. By his spirit, he hath garnished the heavens, plural. His hand hath formed the crooked serpent. I think it was a Wednesday or two ago. I think the sister over here, she asked that question about that Leviathan. And it talks about him being in the sea. But that sea may not be here on earth. So let's look at that while we're in this. We're, you say, we're just going all over the place. We are, but we're going in an order for a purpose. Take your Bible and go to, hmm. So where are we going? Beats me. Job 41. Yeah. I had to think a minute. I didn't see it written down. <laughs> While you're going to 41, stop at 38 for a second. Look in chapter 38, verse 30. The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. That's pretty amazing. The face of the deep, that's the top of it. The Bible says that up there in heaven that there's a, there's a, a place that's like transparent glass, the gold is. I don't know if it has anything to do with that or not, but... Pretty interesting. All right, Job 41. Job 41. That's a lot of people don't like the book of Job because they thought it was pronounced Job. 
Job 41.1. A lot of preachers. Job 41.1. Canst thou draw out Leviathan with an hook, or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? Now here's Leviathan. You say, what's that? I have no idea. Uh, just as far as people say, well, that might be a dinosaur or something like that. It may have been, but there's more to it than that. You say, how do you know that? You keep reading. Look in verse 10. None is so fierce that stir him up. Who then is able to stand before me? If you can't stir up Leviathan, you sure couldn't stand before the Lord. He's greater than him. Look in verse 15. His scales are his pride. Shut up together as with a close seal. He's got scales on him. He's a sea monster. Verse 20. Out of his nostrils goeth smoke, as out of a seething potter cauldron. Smoke coming out of his nostrils. Verse 21, his breath kindleth coals, and a flame goeth out of his mouth. That's not anything out here in the ocean. I'll tell you that right now. That's something different. This thing, whatever he is, called Leviathan, he's got smoke coming out of his nose, fire out of his mouth. Sounds like a dragon to me. And you wonder why they get these cartoons with these dragons with smoke coming out of their nose and fire out of their mouth. Somebody spent some time in the Bible. They didn't just make this stuff up. All right, verse 23, the flakes of his flesh are joined together, those scales. Verse 31, he maketh the deep to boil like a pot. He maketh the sea like a pot of ointment. We're talking about the, the deep, like in Genesis 1-2, the face of the deep. And the Bible said over there in Job chapter, where we was just at, 26, that that deep's called a sea. He maketh the sea like a pot of ointment. Whoever he is, he's up there in the deep. Verse 34, he beholdeth all things. He is a king over all the children of pride. Well, that pretty well narrows it down who it is. Sometimes in the Bible, you got typology. And there's types of the Lord all through the scripture. Isaac was a type of Christ. When Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain, he was going to offer him for a sacrifice. It's a picture of the God the Father taking God the Son up there and going to offer him and all, so forth. All through there, you'll read things like that. Well, right here, this is either the devil or it's a type of the devil. And it's got to do with him. And so you got everybody looking for the Loch Ness Monster because of this kind of stuff right here. But they're not going to find him. If they did find him, they wouldn't want to find him because it'd be bad. All right, Psalm 74. Get a little more on him. Psalm 74. Psalm 74. There's not, there's not a lot of Bible studies go on anymore. We start, get a topic and just run the references and go through it. But man, we ought to study our Bible. People say, I get bored studying the Bible. They don't get bored on Facebook all day. Man, they can post all day long. But there's something about that Bible. I like it. I love the Word of God. Every time I get in it, I learn something I didn't know. I, there's so much in there. You say, well, you, you ought to be able to master that after so many years. You can't master this book. You'd be as smart as the person that wrote it if you could. See, the one that wrote this book still alive. He's living, and he's a living author. He's God himself is who wrote it. And, boy, there's so much in here, and I love to learn. All right, Psalm 74. Psalm 74, 14. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces. Oh, we found out something else about him. So what did we find out? He's got more than one head. And gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Thou didst cleave the fountain and the flood. Thou driest up mighty rivers. The day is thine. The night also is thine. Thou hast prepared light and the sun. So there's a little bit more about him. All right. Um. Oh, I meant to go back 
Verse 12. For God is my king of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. Verse 13. Thou didst divide the sea. There it is. By thy strength, thou breakest the heads of the dragons in the waters, thou breakest the heads of Leviathan. That Leviathan looks like a dragon, he's called a dragon, and what's amazing is in Revelation chapter number 12, the devil's called that dragon. He's called the dragon, and so he's got to do with him. One more place, Isaiah 27. I'm giving you every reference that Leviathan is mentioned. This will be the last one, it's not mentioned many times. Isaiah 27, and write this stuff down, go back home and look over it. Isaiah 27. So I don't agree with it. I don't care if you do or not. It makes me no difference. It's my job to teach it. Wouldn't even hurt my feelings. Isaiah 27. Isaiah 27 verse 1. In that day, when you see any terminology like that, that's end times. That's usually when the Lord's coming back. In that day, you see it all through the scriptures, especially with these prophets. In that day, the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan. The piercing serpent. What was the devil when he was in the Garden of Eden? A serpent. Even Leviathan, that crooked serpent. And he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. That's amazing. That's wild right there. All right. So you've got that place up there somewhere, wherever it is, and there's a great deep. And it looks like that the devil can be up around that place. And there he is, and one day the Lord's going to come back and destroy him. But also read that the devil comes down here on earth and walks to and throw through the earth, and he's looking to see who he can get a hold of and looking who he can devour and that sort of thing. So I know that too. But when the Lord comes back, he's coming through this deep. He's got to come through the water. So let's go to Habakkuk 3. Keep going to your right. Habakkuk 3, that's one of those little minor prophets. They call them minor prophets because their books are a little bitty and they're hard to find. <laughs> Not because their message is minor, their message is major. All the Bible's major. But Habakkuk chapter 3. And Habakkuk chapter 3 tells about the second coming of Christ. Like a lot of the Bible does. He's coming again. And Habakkuk chapter number 3, down in verse number 8, it says this. I'll let you give you a minute, that's a hard one. Sometimes you're better off going to Matthew and hanging a left. Going back to Malachi and then Zechariah and Haggai, Zephaniah. I have to read them backwards here. And Habakkuk. So it's not too far from Matthew. All right. Habakkuk chapter number 3. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 8. Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea? That thou didst ride upon thine horses and thy chariots of salvation. Here he is coming back, and he's coming back on a horse, according to Revelation 19. Verse 9, thy bow was made, and by the way, he's going to have chariots too, according to Psalms. Psalms, um, what is it? Anybody got the reference in your mind? The angels are going to come in chariots. Mm -mm. I must be getting old. Verse 9, <laughs> thy bow was made quite naked, according to the oaths of the tribes, even thy word. I want to say 78, that can't be right. Selah, thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw thee, and they trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their habitation. Stuff's going to happen to that sun and moon when he comes back. And look at that. There's the deep right there, the deep. And it's called a sea. And apparently when this is all over, the Lord's going to destroy the heavens and the earth. Not, up, not where he's at. 
But the other heavens, the first heaven, the second heaven, is all going to be destroyed, and the earth. And the Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Remember that? He's going to change it all. That's 2 Peter chapter 3. And uh, that's a long, we won't be here during that time. But anyway, go ahead and go to Revelation. We're almost done. Revelation chapter 21. And we see this deep. What's another word for the deep that we saw? Sea. That's right. Thank you. All right. Revelation 21. Revelation 21. Revelation 21 verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That's going to be something. And it's all going to be gone. I don't understand it all. I don't have any idea. But one of these days I will. So that's crazy. Say so there's water up there. The Bible clearly says there's water up there. And why is it all these Christians have saying for years, I will not cross Jordan alone? Where do you think that comes from? Those kind of songs. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand. We shall sing on that beautiful shore. We have heard the joyful sound. Echo back ye ocean waves. All through there. and you, The hymn books we have. You look in there and there's all kinds of references to crossing Jordan. They're always in there. They've been in there ever since you've gone to church. When your parents went to church. Your grandparents went to church. They were always there. You say why? Because whoever wrote those hymns. They were Bible readers. And they'd read the Bible and they'd say those kind of things. Brother Jim Chandler some years ago. That preaches for us sometimes. Uh, he was... Uh, Dealing with a guy, and he led a guy to the Lord on his deathbed. And the guy had never been in church, he'd never read his Bible, didn't know anything about it. And fortunately, he was awake, and he was able to deal with him and talk to him. And the guy was under conviction, and he wanted to be saved, and he got saved. But just before he died, he looked up in that hospital bed, and he goes, Boy, that's a lot of water. We got to cross all that water? And as soon as he said that, he died right then. You say, That's crazy. It might not be as crazy as you think. He might have actually seen something. Because there's somebody crossing something. And the great picture of it is this. The picture is the book of Exodus where God parts the Red Sea. And they go across on dry land. And Pharaoh tries to come in after them and tries to stop them. Pharaoh's a type of the devil. God's people get through, but Pharaoh don't stop them. And that's what's going to happen one day at the rapture. The Lord's going to part that water and let us right through. And we're going to go through... The devil might try to stop us, but he can't do it. When the Lord takes you through, you'll be all right. And so, thank God we got somebody more powerful than the devil. All right. Perfect timing. I didn't plan it. It just worked out that way. <laughs> if I would planned it, it wouldn't have been. 